This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And today is a very, very, very special show for me. Why? Because I'm recording live from the Blaze Studios. It's awesome. It's really great to be here. And I want to talk to you about a lot of things today. I want to lay out something I've been working on for a while for you to talk to you about a battle plan to start saving America. But before we do, we got to deal with something way, way more important than the battle plan to save America. I am going to start suing the Biden administration because that's the cool thing right now, right? I want my day in court. And what is my grievance with the Biden administration? It's not about mandates, which are horrible. It's not about vaccines or masks or businesses shutting down or even the border. My issue is way more important. It's way more important to me. What is that issue? That issue is with Kamala Harris, the vice president. And what's my issue with her? There are many, but the one issue I'm really annoyed at right now is gimmick infringement. Did you see her this week going over to France? She's on another foreign visit. And she starts impersonating the French with a Frenchy French accent. <laughs> and she did not do a good job. <laughs> this is my gig. Stick to your role. You be vice president, leave the French accents to me. Because we all know I nail them each and every time, right? But that's just a bit of fun, because today I actually want to talk to you about some serious stuff. I want to talk to you today about the battle plan to save America, and how you can help save America. But before I can do that, I need to talk to you about previous battle plans. And today's battle plan is inspired by the revolution, by the American Revolution, by how you change the world. And there are three major steps to get the American Revolution. They started with the pulpit. They started with building a narrative. I talk about this all the time, and I know you're probably sick and tired of hearing it, but you need to hear this. America's narrative was so important. America's story is the Declaration of Independence. It is why, on the Statue of Liberty, it's not the Constitution, it's not the Bill of Rights, it's July 4th, 1776, representing the Declaration of Independence. That is the cornerstone of everything that is America. But how did you get to the Declaration of Independence? We need to understand that path. And the path is very simple. Your pulpits. You see, Thomas Jefferson wrote some amazing words in the Declaration of Independence, but probably maybe some of the most amazing words were, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Now just take that statement on its own, on its own merits. That seems rather cocky, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. Just think about world in 2021. What is self-evident today? Who would dare say anything is self-evident? That it's so ingrained in our culture that this is true. It's self-evidently true. But how would Thomas Jefferson write those words? How did he get to the confidence, to the arrogance? Because he wasn't confident. He wasn't arrogant. He was sure. Because the narrative had already been laid. The foundation for him to write those words has already been laid by your pulpits. You see, your pulpits back then were on fire. Your pulpits were preaching. Your pulpits were preaching week in and week out on every principle within the Bible, but also in life in 1700s. And they became a self-evident truth. It was an accepted norm in society. And that's how he was able to write the Declaration of Independence. 
The first started part of the battle plan is the narrative, is the foundation, is what you're fighting for. Then the second one is your leaders. You see, your revolution was exceptional for so many reasons. But one of those reasons was because you did things the exact opposite re- way every other nation did it. And when I say this in this context, it's who your revolutionaries really were, who your visionaries were. You see, every other revolution in the history of the world, and to this day, has followed the same pattern. And if a revolution breaks out tomorrow in places like Cuba or Venezuela, they will follow the exact same pattern every other revolution has followed. What is that pattern? It will be someone at the bottom of society who's beaten up, who's battered, who's oppressed, who's angry, who's fed up and says, I've had enough. I'm going to rise up and try and take on the king. But he won't do it alone or she won't do it alone. She will get a collection of friends and they will try and have a revolution. But the thing you need to understand about these group of people is they will have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. America's revolution was the exact opposite. You're the only revolution that was started by the men who actually had nothing to gain personally and everything to lose. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence had everything you would want, not in 1776, but in 2021. They had land, they had fame, they had fortune, they had possessions. Some of them even had titles. They had everything you would earthly want, but they risked everything they had for an opportunity at a better tomorrow for everybody. You need leaders. And the third thing you had was you had people willing to act. Today I'm going to focus just on one part of society. Because last Thursday was Veterans Day. The 11th of November. A day we should never, ever forget. So since we're talking about battle plans and we're talking about people willing to serve, we'll continue this with the battle plan of the revolution. You see, obviously back then numbers were very hard to come by, accurate numbers anyway. But generally an accepted number is there was at least 200,000 people who fought for your revolution, who actually served in battle. Not all at one time, not all in one battle, but over the course of your revolutionary war, it's an accepted fact at least 200,000. Some numbers go higher, some numbers are around that number, sometimes the numbers are in the middle, but let's just go on the low side, 200,000. They're people who fought. They had the narrative, they knew what they were fighting for, they saw the Declaration of Independence. They saw the leaders in society like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, John Adams, Thomas Paine. There were leaders in society that were leading, and they knew exactly what they were fighting for. And then they went and served and played a part in a better tomorrow. You can't have a battle plan. You do not have America as we know it today without these three simple parts. That's the foundation. That's the historical revolutionary war example of what I want to talk to you about for the rest of today's show. Because I want to start laying the groundworks for how we start turning the tide. And in case it sounds like I'm a bit more motivated or a bit more amped, Yes, it is because I'm in the Blaze Studios and it's amazing. But part of it is also, I won't lie, my feelings towards your country have grown so much on this tour. One, because I feel more at home. But two, because I know soon I will be an American. And I all of a sudden have officially some skin in the game. So we're in this together. So what is the battle plan?
So what is the battle plan, America? How do we turn this around in a 2021 version? Over the next two weeks, this week and next week, I'm going to lay out this full plan for you. Because you have a big role. This week is going to be solely based on America. And next week is going to be based on what you can do to protect yourself. Because the Great Reset is not going to happen by pure fluke. Our actions or our inactions is going to make that possible. I'll talk to you about that next week. But this week I want to talk to you about how we need to start working together as America. So what roles do we have in society today? Well, who are our storytellers? Who are the leaders? And who are the people who are willing to do and serve for a better tomorrow? Let's start with the easy one. Who is willing to serve? Who is willing to fight in the revolution? I am here to give you a positive message from my tour. There are lots of people willing to stand up. There are willing Americans every state I have been in. Some are young, some are old, some are in the middle. Some are men, some are women, some are white, some are black, some are Hispanic. There is a coalition. There are people willing and able and ready to fight. And when I say fight, I want to be crystal clear. I don't mean go in the go storm the beaches. I don't mean grab a gun. Or, you know, if we're using the 1776 analogy, hey, not go grab a musket or a cannon. When I say fight, I mean actually start willing to do what is necessary to save your nation. There are people standing up who will never be remembered by history books. I have met so many on this tour alone that have found their line in the sand. They have found their line in the sands. For some people, it is the vaccine. For some people, it is, I will not comply. For others, it's the mask mandate. This happened months ago. I will not wear your stupid mask. It is pointless. I am sick of this game. But for others, it's CRT in schools. It's for critical race theory. You saw the evidence of this in case anyone's saying, well, you're just giving your opinion. Back it up with fact. That's what you say you do. Look at Virginia. Look at the Virginia elections, but also look at all the elections throughout America last Tuesday week. People are waking up. They're inspired. They're motivated. They're ready to go. The problem in your country right now is not your people. Your people are willing to do the right thing. But this is where I talk to you about the problems we have, and we need to start having discussions about these and start laying the groundwork and start laying the principles for the other two parts of the story. Your people are not the problem. The problem is the leaders, and the problem is the narrative tellers. Let's deal with this first. Where are the leaders? Now again, people might take my words out of context and say, well, are you looking for a great war general like George Washington? I'm not talking about violence. Can we just get over this stupid narrative games where we twist everything everyone says? Oh, you said fight. I'm sure you want violence. No, I don't want violence. I want us to create stories. That's my job. But when I say leaders, I mean business people. Where are the leaders in society today? Where are the people standing up and saying, I will not comply? First, a part of the negative story. The vaccine mandates. The vaccine mandate that's been rolled out and that's been held up in court. And the Biden administration is saying, carry on anyway. 
And businesses are not standing up. They're going, well, we're just going to keep carrying on. Business is normal. You have to get the vaccine by December 4th or 5th or whatever the date is. That's what we have to do. Where are the leaders? Where are the business people willing to step up and go, no. And I don't care even if you like the vaccines. Just say, we're not complying. Why? Because the court said stop. Now, if it comes to the point, and this is even for reaching out to our friends on the left, even if it gets to the point where the courts will say yes eventually, I don't think they will. I think this is the easiest case that should be decided. This is the easiest case in modern day history that I have ever seen. It's so simple to rule on. But even if you're on the side of the vaccines and you want the vaccine mandate, surely you should be saying, let's just stop. Stop. Let us wait for the court to rule. And if the court rules, whatever way it rules, if it says there's a mandate, then we'll continue going on with it. But if it says there's not, let us not waste any more time on this. But how many businesses are doing it? Or is it just business as usual? Are we having a problem with leaders in society today? In case I'm depressing you right now, don't leave because you want to hear what I'm saying next because I have a really positive story to start sharing with you. Where are the leaders? You see, what we need to start doing is understanding one thing that in America, our country, and yes, I said our country for a reason, our country is unique, our country is different. We need to start rising up at the bottom, but we also need to start rising up in the middle, but also at the top. We need to find men and women, leaders, business owners, who are sick and tired of what is going on in the country right now and say, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to risk my business because we must. Tyranny's knocking at the door, whether it's Agenda 2030, whether it's COP26, whether it's the Great Recess, whether it's just Biden, the administration, whether it's they're literally telling you that they had your future commerce secretary. I hope to God there's some sense in America in D.C. I doubt it, but I hope there is where she's disapproved, where she gives this interview last week where she's saying, you know what? We need all those companies, gas companies and coal companies to go business, go out of business. We need them to go bankrupt. They're telling you who they are. But why are businesses going along with this? I know Facebook will never go along with it. I'm not calling for them or Twitter or Jack Dorsey or any of these companies. I'm talking about businesses on the right. Where are the leaders? But this is where I share a message of hope. Something happened in your country this week, in our country this week, that was truly amazing. You see, the answer to every problem we face is the same as it's always been. America, the people are, you're independent, you're rebellious. You're fiercely independent and strong. And you're this type of people, and you've always been this way, that says, you know what, when there's a problem, I will fix it. When there's something I need to do, I will do it. I won't look to someone else. I won't go, well, what's government doing? Hey, there's this problem in society. What's government doing? No, people start going, no, I'm going to fix it. But since I'm talking about businesses, we need to start encouraging people to start being problem solvers again. Because this is a business term and analogy. When you're creating a business, one of the first things most people will do, if you come up with a great idea, you know, a great soft drink, a great new phone, great new piece of technology, eventually someone's going to sit you down and go, okay, what's your USP? What's your USP? What does that mean? What is your unique selling point? Why is your product or service better than what we already have? Why should I invest in you? Why should I try and make your company possible? Or why should I buy your product and service and not someone else's? Why are you unique? 
In simple business terms today, that's hard to find at times. You know, why, why would you have a new piece of technology? We already have this. We already have the iPhone. We already have the iPad. We already have the computer. We already have the big screen TVs, whatever it is. We already have all these social media. Why should I go with you? It's hard to find a USP. Not in 2021. You know what we need to start encouraging people to do? To rise up and be a businessman. To own businesses. To own women businesses. And say, you know what our USP is? We're not crazy. We believe in freedom. If you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you don't, don't. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't. If you're going to want to get the little paper mask that does absolutely nothing, go for it. If you're more concerned and you want the N95, get it. You do you and I'll do me. Quite simply put, I'm not going to tell you how to live. That's your USP. Oh, and by the way, do you know what my second USP is? I'm not going to condescend and tell you how to live and think you're nothing but scum who can't think for yourself. I'm going to leave you alone. That is my USP. But here's where we need to start giving the good news. Because they're starting to see some glimmers of hope in America. Of people looking at problems in society and going, Hey, I don't want the government involved in this. You know what? We have a USP. We're not crazy. And we're going to start acting accordingly. I shared a story a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't listen to the show, listen to, I think it was two weeks ago, about the ranchers and the slaughterhouses. Well, don't look for the, for the government to break up the slaughterhouses of Monopoly. No, go raise $300 million and create your own slaughterhouse. Great, I love it. Today I have another story of hope. And this one might be even bigger because it might have far more reaching consequences. What is that? We would all agree listening to this show, education is a problem in your country. College campuses are a disaster. They're a nightmare. They're filled with safe spaces. Oh, I'm triggered. You can't say that. (laughs) Oh, ban him or ban her. No, we can't have free thinking on campuses. No, we can't do it. Well, what happened this week? The University of Austin has become a thing. Now, in case you haven't heard this story, most people might think, oh my God, the University of Austin, how is this a good thing? John, do you know what Austin, Texas is like? Yeah, I know. I know when, how bad things are in Austin, Texas. When the people, are, it's the, when their tagline of the city is, let's just keep it weird. When that's your tagline because people are going absolutely crazy and you're just like, no, we just want to keep it weird. Not normal, just keep it weird. I know there's big problems. I don't know why these people picked Austin. Maybe it's just to poke the giant right in its face. But as college has been set up, And what is their USP? We are going to have critical thinkers. And we're going to have critical thinkers on all sides of the aisle. And we're not going to play the game that every other college institution pays. There's some amazing names signed up for this already. People like Steven Pinker. Go look at Steven Pinker. And then think of what he stands for and think of what I stand for and kind of go, do you think me and Steven Pinker have a lot in common? I don't know how much we have in common. We might be surprised if we ever talked. But I don't think there's going to be a lot. People like Niall Ferguson probably have a bit more in common with him. People like Jonathan Haidt. Jonathan Haidt used to hate conservatives until he started listening to Glenn Beck. He wrote a book and he was proving that conservatives are bad people. And then he started listening to people like Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and actually found out he was kind of wrong. Again, I don't know how much I agree with Jonathan Haidt on. And people like Ayan Hirsti Ali, 
Again, I don't know how much is a 10%, is a 50%, is a 80%, but I know it's not 100%. These are just some of the big names. They're well known. There's a lot of other people. And what's their USP? What is their unique selling point? We're going to allow people talk. We're going to allow people teach. But from both sides of the aisle, let us actually understand that college at its merit, at its core, can be a really good thing. The college where we actually have an open discourse, where we have both sides of the aisle or both sides of the political opinion, those who believe in freedom and leave been left alone versus those who are more open to government and sometimes flat out communism. Let us meet on the battleground of ideas and let us have that discussion. That's their USP. Now, I don't know how successful this is, but they're willing to stand up and say no. This is a positive sign for a couple of reasons. One, there's no government involvement. They will look to get accreditation, but they're not looking to government to solve the problem. They are stepping up and saying, this is an opportunity. Let us fill that void. But second of all, it's a finally an understanding that if we put the politics aside and we can just strip about the Republican name and the Democratic name and start looking on principles, you'll be surprised at the amount of people who will join forces, who are common sense people. We might disagree on how much government welfare there should be. We might disagree on government programs, but we can agree on some core principles. The Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, been a classic liberal. These are principles we can agree on. And even when we disagree, we will agree to disagree, but we will meet on the battleground of ideas. This is such a positive step. This is what businesses need to start doing. I'll come back to business in one minute because I want to to talk to you about your role. And this is where I finish off the next part of the battle plan. Who is going to deal with the narrative? Because I've spoken to you about your volunteers, the people are willing to serve. Your people, your country is not sure to this. I've just spoken to you about business. But who are the narrative drivers? Who are the storytellers? Who are going to pre- who, what people are going to preach? And preach to a point of view where we start sharing stories and principles, not from a political point of view, but from a fundamentally self-evident principle point of view, where they become self-evident once again. I would love to see the pulpits rise up, but quite honestly, the only depressing part of this tour is seeing how weak and spineless and pathetic your churches have become. I don't know how you save America without the pulpits. I do know what we need to start doing is acting. We need to start supporting people who will stand up. I'll come back to that point in one minute. But who are the people who are going to start sharing the narrative? Because we need to address a problem, America. So I'm on this tour. I'm doing 65 events in 85 days in 15 states. I've been blessed with so many opportunities this tour. I've met so many amazing people. But you know the common thread? I get loads of different comments. Some good, some bad, some agreements, some disagreements. But you know the most common common compliments or comments I get? Thank you for what you said. I really enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I've heard it spoken about that way. Why is that America? Why does it take an Irish guy to come over here and remind you of your narrative and remind you of your founding principles? Who are the narrative tellers? Who are the ones making the cases for principles today? Look around at your politics. Can you name any? Look around at your media. Can you name many? 
Look around at your churches. Can you name many? Look around at society and your society elders. Do you see many standing up? Do you see many storytellers today? Are we just literally caught up in the political battles of the day? And I'm not saying, I want to be crystal clear, I'm not saying we don't discuss the political battles. We should discuss the political battles. Your first is like the Kyle Rittenhouse case going on. My God, what people, what, what's happening to that man and that family is so tragic to watch. But we need to talk about politics, but we also need to understand, we need to start sharing stories. We need to start building a narrative. Because we need to start deciding what America means and what America is for. Who's doing that? Who's willing to step up? Well, the answer for me personally is quite simple. I can't speak for anyone else, but I'll be stepping up. I actually had a meeting today. I had an amazing meeting today. I was so happy. I actually roared in the blaze. It looks like I'll be living here a lot sooner than I had thought. I can't speak for anyone else, but I'll be stepping up. I'll be out there every day I get and as, for as much time as I can. And as long as I can financially do it, I am all in to save your nation. But who else is it? We need to start encouraging people. And this is where I want to talk to you about your role. Because your role in this, if you want to save America, your role is absolutely critical. Yes, you need to serve. Yes, you need to help others. Yes, you need to do everything you can in your local and your community level. But you also need to start making some uncomfortable choices. What are those uncomfortable choices? Let's start with the churches, shall we? If you're in a church, and your church... How should I say this nice? You need to start looking at your church and look at what it's preaching and have a hard, honest look at it and see if it's standing for what you believe in. Start seeing if they're actually followers of Christ and start seeing have they got the courage that Christ gives us, the courage that says we win in the end Now we're going to start acting accordingly. Are they willing to stand up and not care about their 501c3 tree status are they willing to say the unpopular things or are they more concerned about building a coalition and watering down their principles and teaching absolutely nothing if i may quote the great prophet of our time the great greta thunberg is all your preacher saying is blah 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 then you've got to make a choice if this is your church you need to strongly consider leaving because we need to start building up churches we need to start looking around for pastors, whether they're young or old, regardless of what race they are. If they're willing to stand, we need to stand with them. We need to start standing with them and start building a church. And it might be one church, it might be five churches, it might be ten churches, it might be a hundred churches. Where they are fire-breeding Christians. Where they are willing to preach the word, where they're willing to share the stories. And stories is absolutely critical, and I'll prove it to you, it's a biblical principle. Look at the four Gospels. Look at Jesus' life. What did he do? He went around and told parables, which is a story. How many people are willing to do that today? That's your first role. Your second role is business. You see, you have more power than you realize. You have the almighty dollar. How many people are using their dollars wisely? Now, I know a lot of people are hurting right now with the economy. I also know people are hurting right now because of inflation. 
Some people have lost their jobs. So I'm not saying if you've lost your jobs and you're financially hurting, do this. But just do it where you can. What businesses are you supporting? Are you willing to stand with the good businesses? You see, if you're looking around right now and you're looking around at the big businesses, why would anyone like Amazon step up? Why would Amazon stand for freedom? You get your, they give you, you get their business anyway. There's no incentive. Left, right, love Amazon. I've bought off Amazon in the past. And heck, I'll be honest with you, I'll probably buy off them in the future. Why? Because it's easy. Because it's convenient. We need to stop thinking like this. We need to start inconveniencing ourselves and wait an extra day and go with a bookstore. Find businesses. It might not be possible in every section of society. Maybe it's not possible with books and we just have to go with Amazon for that. Okay, fine. But there are other parts we do. So start supporting the local business. Start supporting businesses that actually believe what you believe. Because here's the thing. There's a broad coalition of people who are annoyed right now. This is a, not a political issue. This is not a left-right divide. There are a lot of people who are angry about CRT. There are a lot of people who are angry about mass mandates. There are a lot of people who are angry about vaccine mandates. And there are a lot of people who are hurting right now. We need to start building a coalition with our dollar and start spending money in places where you can. Let me give you a simple example of what I'm doing. And I'm not saying I'm some great leader. I just want to start giving money to people that don't hate me. It's a simple philosophy, right? It makes kind of sense, right? On this tour, I've done a lot of traveling. I've been to 15 states. What's the airline I'm flying with? Southwest. Why? Because I actually like Southwest. I've liked them because they seem to be trying to stand up and their pilots start standing up to the mandates. But also, I've liked them before that. Why? Because they don't treat you like cattle. They don't treat you like just a piece of scum. They actually greet you. They're caring. They're friendly. They're sociable. They're nice people. From the captain all the way down to the stewardess. That's who their people are. I like doing it. Now, sometimes, I'll be honest, I've paid an extra $10 to go with Southwest. If I have a flight that's $10 dearer for Southwest and American or Delta, I'm going to go with Southwest. Why? Because I want to give money to people that I actually like. Likewise, I've flown a few times with longer flights because I've had to get a layover to fly Southwest. These are little inconveniences. It's not ideal. But guess what? I'm willing to do them. We need to start acting accordingly. Look at all the power you have. Look at all the money you have. Just if you want to know the power you have, do a bill in a week. And just look at how much money you spend. Whether it's something like your mortgage, go to a bank. If you've got a mortgage in one of the big five banks, why is it there? Maybe consider remortgaging, refinancing, and going with a local bank, or maybe a credit union. Or where is your money? Is it in one of the big banks, or is it in your local bank? That'll be part of the solution next week, when it comes to you. When it's where, where you're shopping, what company do you buy your groceries from? What company do you buy your insurance from? That simple question. Do you buy your insurance from Progressive? Well, maybe if you do, maybe you might want to consider not going there. Go with businesses what you want. Look at all the money you spend. Your gas, your light, your heat, your mobile bill. Are you with AT&T and all these companies? Or are you with Patriot Mobile? Where do you spend your money? Your groceries. Where do you spend your money on your entertainment? What companies are you supporting? Because if we understand, we need to start building up leaders. We need to start supporting businesses and say, you know what? If you stand up against the mandates, if you stand up for what is right, if you stand up for us, we will back you. We will support you. It's not financial ruin if you stand up for freedom. We have a coalition of people who believe in the same things you do and we're willing to support you. Just give us the opportunity. But how many people will do that? 
How many people go, ah, look, it's easier to go to Amazon. I get that book a day earlier. I get that, you know, shopping a day earlier. Or I save a buck or five bucks. Now, again, I know this is probably not the time with inflation. I get it. If you're struggling, I apologize. Maybe disregard some of what I said. But we need to start understanding. We can save America if we act. If we don't act, it's dumb. We need to start being smart with our money. That is the one piece of power we all have. Be smart with our money. Start looking and reflecting on where you're spending your money. And even if it's something simple, like let me give you a simple example I've started doing where I can. Another simple thing. Gas. Try not go to the big gas stations. Go to the little local independent one. You'll find them, they're there. And just support them. You might pay an extra cent or two cent on a gallon, that, but that's the price I'm willing to pay. Why? Because I want to support local businesses. I want to give them money elsewhere. Little things like that. And it doesn't have to be this big grandiose where you change every aspect of your life. Start with one thing. Can you imagine if every American decided one thing tomorrow? I'm going to change this way I have it of life. I'm going to maybe not spend at a big convenience store. Or I'm going to move my bank money in the bank this week. Or I'm going to do that this week or this month. And all of a sudden, those little changes add up. And all of a sudden, other companies have an opportunity. Have an opportunity for your dollars. We need to start having open minds. And we need to start supporting people who are open to new ideas. And who are open to the idea of freedom. Because quite simply put... We need to make freedom cool again. I hope today's show is giving you something to think about. And I'm not telling you what to do or how to live. I'm just asking you to reflect. It's time to reflect. Because here's the winning message, America. If you act, you win. There are signs everywhere. And by the way, just think of that college story I shared with you. They're not all conservatives. A lot of those are classic liberals, or some of them are on the left, and they're getting fed up. You're seeing people like Kyvie Irving. You've seen people like Dave Chappelle. You're starting to see people speak out and say enough. You saw this this week in England with John Cleese where they banned the speaker who joked about Nazism. And he was like, well, I was supposed to speak there this week at the University of Cambridge. I guess I can't speak there because I made fun of it in the 60s as well with a Nazi sketch. You're starting to see people of all coalitions stand up. What is the winning message? It's not political. It's the idea of America, the idea of your founding principles. If we start acting, we really can win this. Because let me tell you something. This enemy is a joke. And if you see nothing else positive from today's show, take this as a massive positive. Last week, the Democrats got their butts handed to them. You might think that might give them pause. You might think that would give them a think, oh, maybe we should reassess. They're not. They're doubling down. They're tripling down. And they're afraid. This is a massive opportunity. I know this might bring a bit of pain, and I'm sorry that I wish that didn't have to happen. But also we need to understand it is a massive opportunity to start turning the tide, to start finding some American big pivot points, where you go to the brink, but you understand, hey, let's not go over the cliff. Let's bring this baby back. 
This is the best opportunity we have to really make inroads in freedom. But to finish up today's show, I want to share a story with you. And it's a story you need to hear. And it's in honor of Veterans Day. Because this Veterans Day means something. This Veterans Day is special. I don't know if you know many Afghanistan vets, but we need to give them some extra love today and this week. They serve for a purpose, and we need to remind them how thankful we are for their service. You can love the war. You can hate the war. Your feelings on whether you should have been in Afghanistan or not is irrelevant. The people who serve there are served with honor, served with dignity, and try to do the right thing. But I want to share a story with you. And it's a story that every American needs to hear because it's the solution to our problems. During World War One, technology wasn't as advanced. This might shock you in case you want a little history lesson, the shocking history lesson of the day. When World War One happened, there was no Twitter. There was no emails. There was no text messages. <gasps> oh my God, how did those poor people exist? No cell phones and text messages and emails? <gasps> oh my God, surely they had TikTok, right? No, nope, they didn't back then either. I know, it's shocking. How did those poor people ever live without TikTok? But during World War One, there was battalions. People who served were broken up into battalions. And what would happen is these battalions would be led by a commander. And the battalions would have to talk to each other. Again, there's no email, there's no text message. You can't say, hey, captain on the other battalion, this is what I am, this is where I am, and this is what I'm thinking, and this is what I'm going to do. No. What they would do is they would write messages on pieces of paper. And then poor some purse sod, some soldier, and his job was literally, and it's a horrible job. If you understand World War I, especially if you're a history buff and you understand the layout and, and the geography of World War I, they would literally have to risk their lives crossing terrain. And our whole job was to bring one message from one battalion to the other, give the message to the right person, and sometimes wait and get the message and bring it all the way back. That seems like a simple job, right? You know, I just, well, what's the, what's the big problem, John? Like, you know, grabbing a message on a piece of paper and going to another battalion. That's easy. Just keep walking. Yeah, it's a bit of an inconvenience. No, it wasn't. They would have snipers taking you out. There would be mortars. There would be cannon fire. There be loads of different people trying to kill you. It wasn't a fun job and the terrain wasn't exactly easy. It was a high-risk job. But there was a person who did this job. He was a private. And his name was Martin Treptow. And if we ever needed a message and a story of hope right now, this is the story America needs to understand. And America needs to understand his message. What was his message? You see, he was on the Western Front. And one of the days he's carrying a message between battalions and he's killed. And then the battle ends and they find his body. And on his body, we're told, there was a diary. And in this diary was written the following words. And if we're to win this war, and make no mistake, we are in a war, the war of ultimate war of liberty versus tyranny, we need to start acting like Martin Treptow. Because what did he write in the diary? America must win this war. Therefore, I will work... 
I will save. I will sacrifice. I will do my utmost as if the whole struggle depended on me alone. That is the type of bravery we need right now. We need that type of bravery. We need that type of courage. We need that type of commitment. Because I'm here to tell you, America must win this war. I say this as an immigrant first. There is nowhere for me else to run to. It's not like there is another America. It's not like, well, I can say, well, you know what? I didn't achieve my American dream. I'll go somewhere else because I can't live and work in Ireland right now. What I say is so unpopular there, I have to move somewhere else. Where will I go? England? You ever heard of the English dream, really? They're just as bad. In some ways, they're worse than Europe. Do you want me to go go to mainland Europe? Oh, maybe I can go up to France. Well, John, you've got the Frenchy French accent. Oui, oui, oui. Je m'appelle Jonathan. I like bread, huh? Why not? Because it sucks. Where do you want to go? Germany? Italy? These are all nice places to visit. I would love to visit Italy one day. It is so steeped in history, both good and bad. I don't know whether I ever will. I don't know whether the world returns to sense. But there's no Italian dream. There's no French dream. There's no German dream. Where would you like me to go? Israel? Have you seen Israel recently? You're going crazy about two shots. Israel is on shot number four. And unless you have all the boosters, you're not considered fully vaccinated. Yeah, I love Israel, but no, thank you. Well, where else do you want me to go? New Zealand? Really? Their prime minister, when she was asked a couple of weeks ago in a press conference, well, what you're doing with all these mandates and passports, aren't you creating a two-tier society? And she laughed and said, yes. Oh, well, maybe you could go to Australia. There's an Australian dream. No, there's not. Oh, wow, Australia, the great bastion of freedom. Really? Their police are having press conferences over there saying, hey, look at us, look at how awesome we are. We've arrested all these people. And what was their crime? Was it drunk and disorderly? No. Was it assault? No. Was it burglary? No. Was it rape? No. Was it murder? No. Their crime was going to the beach and watching a sunset or looking at the moon. Oh, my God, lock those boys up and throw away the key. Where is there else to run to? There is nowhere else to run to, ladies and gentlemen. There is only America. And it is no coincidence that America has faltered over the last couple of years and maybe a couple of decades, and tyranny is at the door all around the world. There is nowhere else to run to. But we need to start rising up and start sharing the narrative of America again and start sharing that America is the greatest country in the world but it is also a unique and exceptional nation why? because you have a right to life here you have a right to liberty and you have a right to pursue your happiness and you also combined with that have a right to keep the fruits of your own labor to succeed and fail on your own merits that some of these, among other countless reasons you're exceptional and unique, have changed the world. That we have more creation, more innovation, more technology, and every aspect of our life is better today. Why? Because America was founded. 
that if we lose freedom here, there is nowhere else. There's nowhere else even talking about these ideas. They're all embracing government. They're all embracing control. They're all embracing Agenda 2030. They're all embracing the Great Reset. They're all embracing COP26. They're all embracing telling you what? That we have a right as the powerful to tell you how to live. What is the answer to that? The kryptonite to that is saying no. Who don't have a right to tell me how to live. I will do me, you do you. It's a wake-up time, America. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay asleep? Are you going to stay in your comfortable lifestyle and hope they don't come for you? Are you going to do what every other American generation has done? And rise up and take back your country and take back your narrative. I can't speak for you. All I can do is I will never shame you. I will never look down on you. I will never despise you. But I will do my utmost to encourage you. And to tell you I'm all in. I know we can win this war. I know we will win this war. Why can I say that so confidently? Because every other generation of Americans has had a major obstacle. And you have done it before. To those who want to write off America or have no hope right now, just remember who the hell you are. You're an American. You're the country that overcame slavery. You're the country that overcame segregation. You're the country that overcame the British, the superpower of the day at your founding. You're the country who proved it wasn't a fluke and beat them again in 1812. You're the country that overcame World War I, World War II. You're the country and you're the people when the world was at its tipping point in the 80s where you had two major superpowers in Russia and America pointing nuclear weapons at each other. That wouldn't just destroy America and Russia, but had the potential to destroy the whole world. You're the country that won that war without a rocket been fired. You're the country that's overcome everything from the explored everything from the swamp to the stars. There's a reason people like Elon Musk, who's not an American, he's a South African, comes to America. And what does he do when he comes to America? He innovates, he creates. And what's he talking about now? Going to colonize Mars. That can only happen here. Yes, I know America's not as good as it used to be. I know it's different now. I know there's a lot of problems with all the problems we talk about on this show week in and week out. But you have to take courage from your past, from your history, from the great American spirit. Start acting and you win. Because the enemy is weak. The enemy is hurt. And the enemy is also nothing more than a charade. It makes you feel powerless. That's its job. But you're not powerless. It's all a magic trick. If you understand you have the power and you have more power than any other set of people in the history of the world, you win. Act like you've won already and you will win. And I will be in your corner 100%. I will be leading. I will be standing and doing everything I can to talk about your narrative. Because your narrative, quite simply put, is the best story man ever came together to write. And what better story and what better follow-up is there for the history of America than to go, you know what? America got to the precipice. It nearly fell as a nation. But we came together and wrote a new ending to our story. We wrote the next chapter. But it wasn't our demise, it was our rebirth. That we make America the best comeback story since Jesus Christ. And then when some of us who are younger can sit when we're old and decrepit and beaten up. And we're just, you know, on our lawn with our guns going, get off my lawn. And our grandkids come over to us and tell, ask us to say, hey, 
Grandpa, great grandpa, tell me about the time in 2021 where America was brought to its knees but woke up. How great would it be to tell our kids and our grandkids that story? We can do it. But here's the thing. We can only do it if we act. And I believe you will act if we do the right things. I'm all in America. Are you? Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. And never forget the words of the Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. See you next Saturday, America. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. 